0: Are you sure you want to stay here? It looks creepy.
2: But Savannah, this is the House of Mystery. Let's see, the brochure says, True Crime, Conspiracy, Alternate History, All rooms, right here in the house.
1: I don't know, which room is ours?
2: Yes, this may be our room. Oh, well, sorry, ma'am. Obviously, this is not our room. Ah, here's our room. True crime. You've now
1: entered the House of Mystery on
3: KKNW
1: 11.50 a.m. Seattle,
3: the best in true crime, conspiracy, and history
0: with Al Warren and Kev Thompson.
3: Welcome back to the House of Mystery on KKNW, 1150 AM, Seattle. And I'm your host, Al Warren.
2: And I'm Kev Dawson.
3: Are you still awake? Okay. Yes. Now, we're having plenty of changes, of course. You know, we've got a few people that we've added to the lineup. And uh, just for interest, because we've been getting a lot of people asking. You know, we've had lots of different guests on, and we talk about... Uh, you know conspiracies a lot, and we've had Roger Stone and all sorts of people through the show, and so now it seems to be a, a popular item. But I wanted to take a um, kind of a more of a scientific point or view toward conspiracies, and I want it to be uh, rational about what we talk about, not like what Alex Jones does. <laughs> No. <laughs> of course, Kevin being Alex Jones, man. But um, so what What we've done is we've a- added a conspiracy contributor who will be giving us rundowns on the uh, weekly conspiracies, like what's going on in the uh, world of conspiracy. And um, so joining the team and joining us today will be uh, Joseph Yusinski. Now, he's the uh, political science professor at the University of Miami and uh, he's written a couple of books The American conspir- Conspiracy Theories of 2014 as well as The People's News. So uh thank you for joining us Joe.
4: Well thank you and thanks for inviting me to the team. I'm very excited about it. Hey, so are we.
3: Yeah, this is thrilling. Uh, so let's 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 tell people like what what do you do? With conspiracies, like how, how do you go about finding them and, and how do you process it? So
4: one thing I've been doing for the last uh, seven years is running an Internet, what we call a scrape every night, where I pull in all the news and all the blog posts that have been written about conspiracy theories in general and specific conspiracy theories. And I'll tell you one thing I found over the last few years is that the amount of news about conspiracy theories has spiked. So I used to pull in maybe 10 stories a night, you know, they had the term conspiracy theory in it back in 2011 and 2012. Now it's up to about a hundred and there are conspiracy theories about everything. And it's not that the news is pushing conspiracy theories and it's not necessarily the case that people are believing them more now than they did before. But it's definitely the case that we're talking about them more now and we're noticing it. You know, at the end of 2016, people were saying, oh, my God, we live in a post-truth world. I'm not sure that's true. What I think is true is that people are being a little more careful with what they share, with what they ingest, um, and they want to know if the news they're getting is, is true or not. And that can cut both ways. And what we what I find in the data is that you know, on the one hand, you have conspiracy theories that are out there, but on the other hand, you have conspiracies. So you have the theories and you have the actual things going on at the same time, and it's very difficult to discern what truth is. So if people are confused out there, I don't blame them.
3: Right. Well, so so where do we go from here? Like, what? Uh, there's so much going on. Um, like last year it was a free for all. Uh, there's so much. Uh, you must have just been in, inundated with all the, uh, you know, as they, ask, they say, fake news or stories. How do you tell the difference between what's just completely made up and what's real?
4: It's very difficult. And the thing is, even the best journalists are going to get things wrong. You know, particularly after, say, a big event happens, you're going to get wrong information for a while. So the best thing to do is sort of lie back for a little bit, let the dust settle and you'll get better information as legitimate news sources can gather it. Now, that's one way to go. Another way to go is, you know, as you watch the mainstream news, you should be a little bit skeptical because all news is, you know, it's not real, right? It's all scripted to some extent. Um, They're picking and choosing for particular reasons what they're going to show and what what they're not going to show and they have motivations for how they're going to, how they're going to report what they do report. So we want to keep in mind that the news isn't quote unquote, the news, it's not capital T truth, you know, so, so alternative sources can come in and and be of value um, because sometimes, you know, the mainstream news will have its own biases and we want to sort of sneak around them and peek under the hood.
3: Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of that right now. I, I, I just wonder, um, you know, because, okay, for instance, one of the big things has been always the false flag attacks. And um, every time there's a mass shooting or a, a, a big event like that that happens in the country, we talk about um, false flags, that it's, you know, actors, it's not real or, mm-hmm. or whatever. There's always some sort of thing. And look at this last one, the Las Vegas shooting. There's tons of people running around with theories right now.
4: It happens after everyone, and so it's no shock. Um, But I'm not exactly sure what the false flag would be, right? So if the government or some other entity was going to say, okay, let's go kill a bunch of kids, or let's fake killing a bunch of kids, or let's shoot people from a Vegas hotel or at a church, There's got to be some sort of goal in mind. Like, why would they do that? Because if you get caught, I mean, you're in a lot of trouble, right? That's death penalty stuff, you know, for mass murdering people. So what's the goal? What do they want to get out of it? I mean, some people say, okay, well, they're going to fake the shootings at Sandy Hook and, and other places because they want gun control. Well, if that's the goal, they've been terrible at it because Sandy Hook, which would have been the one that you think would have motivated some sort of, you know, gun law. It didn't. And subsequent shootings haven't either. So if, if that's the point, I mean, they're you know, whoever's doing it is going about it in a really lousy way. It's just not effective.
3: Yeah, yeah. They're not getting what they want. Um, that's crazy. Uh, so what are you hearing lately? Like, what seems to be the uh, focus of conspiracy in the last little while?
4: Well, the last two weeks, I mean, the big thing was the release of the JFK papers. Yes, yes. And the dust is still settling on that. Um, It seems really strange, I mean, because Trump said, I'm going to release these documents. Then we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And it looked like the uh, intelligence agencies were holding back and holding back, and they didn't want to release the stuff. And, you know, it's sort of funny because Trump and Trump's allies often talk about the deep state, You know, Trump has to battle this conspiracy of the deep state who are trying to stall his initiatives. And it's sort of funny, if you ever watch the Oliver Stone film, JFK, I mean, it's all about the deep state. So there are people out there who say, oh, well, the deep state doesn't exist when it applies to Trump, but it did when it applied to the JFK. And if there's going to be, you know, if there's any good evidence for a deep state, I mean, this is it. The fact that they tried to hold these 54-year-old documents back, that they were trying to black stuff out still to this day. I mean, personally, I think is disgusting, and it's it's shameful. And it speaks to a, a, a much bigger trend that's a little bit related to conspiracy theory. That, that The government just makes too much stuff top secret. They're hiding too much information. And and people have known this for years. And they're blacking out of important information. It's just not right in a democracy. And this is just yet another
2: egregious example of that. Well, it's, it's kind of a, a, the example of whoever has the knowledge has the power. You know, and if they keep the knowledge from the average citizen, then they – you know, they have the power because they know what's going on. You know, it's almost like we've been all classified. You know, you're the working class. We're the ruling class. You, you know, you go on. You wouldn't understand this stuff when they continue to do it. Uh, referring back to the deep state. I mean, just like you said, that proves that it exists because here's the president ordering. I want these documents released. And they're running around pretty much doing whatever they want.
4: Yeah, I mean, how, I mean, how many, uh, years does it take to declassify something? I mean, 54 years,
0: and all of a sudden they don't
4: know what to do, and they have to black stuff out and make special requests. I mean, it's, 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 it's an egregious example of them holding information back. And it could, it, it, I mean, it could be exactly what you're saying, that they're holding back information that they want to hoard for themselves. It could also be that there's embarrassing information, and, And that concerns me quite a bit, because if our government is doing stuff wrong, then that's exactly the stuff that we need to know about, because we can't hold them accountable unless unless we know when they do things wrong. I mean, they're always happy to tell us when they do things right, but I, I think we need to know when mistakes were made, we need to know... Um, if there were alternative accounts we need to know particularly with JFK what other roads did they go down it may be the case that the Warren report is 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 generally correct um, but if there were if there's other information then we should know it if there were mistakes made we need to know it and we should have known it 50 years ago not in
2: 2017 I think to run underestimating the average Joe if Okay, for example, Bush comes out and says, listen, I screwed up. I really honestly thought that there were chemical weapons in Iraq. Uh, I can accept that. Hey, you know, you went on the information you had. I can accept that. But to continue lying, and that's what this these JFK papers are about, because they have fed us a lie for all of those years. You know, for example, who was involved? Oswald was a lone shooter. Um, you know... It, It was, they have fed us this lie for 54 years. Now, here comes a president who's a rogue actor, and he's like, listen, I'm making all this absolutely public knowledge, and these agencies are sitting back, are you kidding? We can't tell the truth now. (laughs) You know, we've forgotten what all the lies were, so we're going to drag our feet I mean, I think
4: some of the expectations with the papers ran a little bit high. I mean, let's say the CIA, you know, let's say they killed Kennedy, right? They're not going to have a document sitting in a safe for 54 years and says, we did it. No. So (laughs) so even if they had something incriminating, it would have been destroyed long ago because you don't – you know, either cover up or orchestrate, you know, the assassination of a president and then have the memo um, sitting around, oh, I guess we have to release this when the, you know, the FOI comes in.
0: No, <laughs> that would have been wiped away. But I think there's other
4: information that that just can't be hidden. And, and to your point, there probably are some lies that are being covered up. Um, and I think just the general principle that sunshine – is the best disinfectant, and we need more of
3: it. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, with things like that, with the JFK and uh, and the way conspiracy is thought of, because uh, like we were talking before, it's pretty negative overall. People don't talk positive about conspiracies of any sort in general. So, but why doesn't it change then?
4: So here's the the interesting thing: is a paradox. So most people, or most of the reporting that we see, you know, most mainstream journalists um, are not very kind to conspiracy theories in general.
0: So when they present
4: something that's a conspiracy theory, it's almost always presented negatively. Now, what we find though is that. Everyone believes in at least one conspiracy theory, and Paul suggests that most people believe in a few, right? Some people believe in a ton. Um, Some people believe in only a few. Most people are somewhere in the middle. Now, the interesting thing is that even though we might think conspiracy theory is a bad category, we will believe in a few of our own, but the ones that other people believe in, we think those are the kooky ones. And we give them the bad name. So uh, this is particularly apparent when you look at the partisan media outlets. Um, So the ones that are clearly on the left and right, they'll say, oh, the other side has some crazy conspiracy theory. And they're the the conspiracy theorists. Meanwhile, they have their own conspiracy theories that they write about as if they were fact. And both sides do that. So it's sort of a, a, it's a freighted term, even though everybody partakes in it. Um, and at the same time, we like to point out the other guy as being the nut, even though you know we're we're probably just as guilty as everyone else.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, people are using it for um, uh, to take down other people at the same time bring themselves up.
4: Sure, and it's it's not good, and it's, it becomes a weaponized term when powerful people use it. So if you accuse the government, say, "Hey, listen." I think that you've done A, B, and C. Can you release the files or or whatever? And they say, "Well, you're just chasing a conspiracy theory." Yes. Yeah. And 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 that's where it gets weaponized, and that's that's a dangerous part where I don't like it, and that's where I wish that um, you know, a lot of conspiracy theories are wrong, and I understand why it has a negative valence to it, but at the same time, um. I don't like the idea that powerful people can just dismiss any theory that accuses them anytime they want. Yeah. I, I,
3: yeah. I, I just wonder. Um, so with the JFK thing, do you think they'll ever really release all of those documents or will it really matter?
4: Um, I don't know. And if there was anything really valuable, I imagine it would have been destroyed. Um, exactly. Exactly.
3: So it and, and I just think, I just think whatever's still around,
4: I, mean, I just can't fathom why they're holding it back. Um, so it, it 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 doesn't sound right. I don't know if there's some grand conspiracy behind it, but it just seems like um, poor decision making on the intelligence agencies. They have the opportunity to sort of come clean with everything and, and be open and transparent, and they've sort of. Um, in some ways, giving everybody a middle finger.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And and the fake, well, fake news thing, uh, how do we get it? How, see, because that's used every time. I mean, you've got the president using it. People are using that term towards anything that they don't agree with.
4: Yeah. I mean, in some sense, like I said, you know, all news is fake to one degree or another. I mean, it's nothing is a true representation of reality. It's all doctored to some degree, and some outlets will, you know, have a closer tether to truth than others. Um, But you have to realize, if you put on CNN or MSNBC, they have an audience that they are playing to. And Fox, the same thing. I mean, so they're going to temper their news to their audience, because that's how they get their ratings, is by playing to a particular segment. Um, but even the main, even the bigger networks like ABC, NBC, CBS, I mean they um, I mean they, they tailor their news to the mainstream audiences that they have. So there's a lot of decisions that go into making news other than hey, what happened today and what's important? I mean they have to pick out a out of potentially billions of things that happened today and give you the ones they think are are the ones, and there's a lot of decision-making in that. So, I mean, uh, clearly there's fake stuff. You know, you have kids in their basement writing crazy stories, sending them out and getting (laughs) 1,000, you know, 100,000 likes on Facebook, right? Um, So there are things we clearly know are absolutely not true, right? Um, But then there's sort of stuff that, you know, isn't in the mainstream news but could very well be true. And then you have stuff in the mainstream news that could very well be false. So, you know, the advice I give people is, you know, if you look at it and it just makes you feel good so you think it's true, I mean, don't believe it for that reason. Make sure you you get two or three sources on,
2: on the same thing before you believe it. And if I can amend that, You know, the reporters, of course, they they have to pick through the news and they have to find what's important. But what I'm frustrated with today is that all of our news agencies have gone less from reporting the news to all opinion pieces. I I can pull news that is actual news, but it's my personal spin that I throw into it. It becomes an opinion piece. And I think that's where they're going with fake news. Not that it's fake news. News, but it's my personal opinion. And this
4: is why I don't blame Trump for calling CNN fake news, because a lot of it is just, you know, let's get a bunch of people talking. And none of it is really reporting events, it's just people's opinions about some event. You don't really get more, you don't get deeper than the paving on the driveway in any of the opinions. And essentially what you get is a bunch of talking heads who just you know, say the same point of view over and over and over again. And if CNN is trying to pull in anti-Trump voters, then you're just going to have anti-Trump speakers, anti-Trump talking heads, anti-Trump sentiment all the time. And it doesn't mean that it's necessarily wrong. It just means that they're going in one direction. And it might not be the fairest view of what's going on. It might not get us any closer to the truth. And you know that bothers me, and I, I I wish that the news would stick more to you know policy reporting.
0: I mean, one thing I would say is
4: when you get into elections, most of the news stories are about you know what's the latest poll say. Well, who cares? Yeah, and I mean, what if you want, want to prognosticate, stuff, it's great news. But I mean, what are the policies that these
2: people are supporting? That's what I want to know. Yeah, and what is the source of the polls? Whose poll? Like, like, okay. A, a classic example. CNN will report a poll. Um, for example, you know, seventy-eight percent of people say that they're voting for Hillary. Uh, you know, fifteen percent say they're voting for Trump. Poll source: CNN News. Yeah,
4: I mean, people, and you can go. You can go back way further than that. I mean, when when there are studies that suggest that when. Um, when it was just the major networks. I mean, when they have polls, because they're polling all the time, but they don't necessarily always report on it. So when it's a Republican president, they're more likely to report the negative poll, you know, that the president's doing worse um, than if it's a Democrat president. So you have these biases that are embedded, and sometimes polls, you know, are pick- you know, they pick and choose which ones they're going to show, how they're going to present it. Um, based on how it matches
2: either the reporter's biases or the audience's biases. Now, speaking of biases, do you think, and, and this is just us guys talking, um, I, I'm under the impression that the reason that MS or mainstream media has such a huge problem with Trump twittering, and it is, Ben, this is a Trump supporter, it is getting a tad bit annoying lately, but the reason that they have such a huge fit over it is because he has bypassed the mainstream media completely and has given his own views, his own opinions, whereas previous presidents have always allowed the news to filter everything. I think that's
4: exactly, that's exactly what
2: Trump is doing, and
4: um, I think it annoys the mainstream media. It's somewhat a problem for them, but on the other hand... I mean, they love it. I mean, they report every tweet. hmm And, <laughs> and, and, and as much the as they news. say, I don't know, I don't know why he's governing by tweets. I mean, they play right into his hands because all the, you know, today's today's top story, Trump tweeted something, and we've never paid this much attention to to a president before, where it's just constant Trump news. So, I mean, in one way, it's a problem for them. Um, on the other hand, I think they, I think deep down inside, they love it. I mean, it's, it just gives them ready-made, short, bite-sized content that they can run with.
3: Yeah, really, it's pretty, yeah, I mean, they give them their story. Like, uh, he just gives them the story, because he says unfiltered, silly things a lot of times, so it just kind of, it's easy to, uh, to talk about it, you know, and.
4: It's very easy. I mean, if you go back to Obama, when they put out, you know, documents or speeches, I mean, they were, you know, fairly long-winded and not not a lot of exclamation points in them. But Trump is just made for for this age of news where it's short segments, opinion-driven.
0: So he can say
4: something crazy on Twitter and just get everybody fired up over it. And then he sends out the next one and they just move on to the next topic and doing the same thing. So it's not he's not changing opinions. He's not putting in anything that's, you know, changing the direction of the country. He's just keeping the media busy on all these sort of what seem like wild goose chases.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So uh, what's what else is out in the conspiracy world other than JFK? And uh, are, are people still talking about the Las Vegas shooting?
4: Oh, it's huge right now, and there's quite a bit about it. And it's it sort of ties in with the latest church shooting, and there's a lot of videos and chatter about what were the motivations of the shooters because they're not completely clear. And everybody assigns responsibility to whoever they hate. So, you know, there are people who don't like ISIS, and they say ISIS was behind it. People who don't like religious people say, you know, you know, Christians are behind it. Um, and I think until we know more, and I don't know how much more information we're going to get, we'll probably be a little bit guessing in the dark, and these conspiracy theories are going to continue to flourish. Um, I think the other big thing right now is, is Donald, Donna Brazil in her book um, suggesting that the... Uh, Democratic primaries were rigged against Bernie Sanders. Um, that's sort of big political news, and I'm not exactly sure where that's going to go. And I guess what's so odd about it is that she's claiming that the, the DNC worked too closely with the Clinton campaign and essentially rigged it against Sanders. But yes. on the other hand, Donna Brazil was in on it. Yeah. I mean, she, she was handing debate questions to the HRC team in advance of the CNN debates. And when she was called on it on live national television, she denied it and lied. Yes. And she said, well, something along the lines of, well, I'm a good Christian, and I would never (laughs) do anything like that. (laughs) A couple days later, the the emails are out there for everyone to see of her handing the the questions over to the Clinton team. And she had to somewhat admit to it. Um You know, but the whole thing is is so so strange. And and you know, I don't know if it was rigged against Bernie. Some people think that vote counts were rigged. I haven't seen clear evidence of that. Um, the DNC probably had a preference, you know, for HRC over over Sanders, but that's not unusual.
2: Well, did they um, not have a secret meeting in California, all of them together, and decided, hey, Hillary's our gal?
4: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they they did. And even if they didn't have
2: a secret meeting, I guarantee there, you know,
4: that the party insiders wanted the party insider on the ticket. I mean, that's how that's how these things tend to go. Um, party insiders have a lot of power when it comes to giving money, getting money, making endorsements. Um, but what you know, what the WikiLeaks thing did was so interesting that exposes that there was a strong preference and maybe some insider tipping of the scales. I mean, I think there was given that the, um, you know, the way the debates were scheduled and how many debates there were. I mean, when you're scheduling the debates, you know, on Saturday nights when nobody's watching, I mean, that's sort of a, a, a clear nod to your inside candidate. And, so all this information comes out. Debbie Wasserman Schultz resigns because of the scandal. But then Hillary Clinton hires her to be co-chair of the campaign, <laughs> which does not look good. It's like, oh, you're accused of cheating in my favor, so I'll hire you. Well, then Donna Brazile, then Donna Brazil steps in to be the new, you know, temporary chair of the DNC. She had been cheating in favor of, of Hillary Clinton, but now she says. Um, that it was rigged and she's going to expose all the rigging.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You can't win. But, you know, the thing is, I think all that is probably pretty true, but I think it goes on both parties. I don't think it's just... I'm not surprised by it, but it wouldn't surprise me if...
2: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
3: The Republican side was doing the same thing.
2: Well,
4: here's the thing. Parties try to, and there's a great book called The Party Decides. And and what it shows is, is that even though we like to think that that it's the voters who are picking the candidates in the primaries. It's sort of an illusion. I mean, it's obviously true, the votes count and they matter, but the party insiders are the ones who are able to confer, you know, media coverage, money, endorsements, and it's those big things that almost always um, get the person, you know, the nomination, so parties tend to pick who they want on uh, on the ticket. It's not left totally to the voters. You know, but the exception to the rule here was Trump. I mean, the party insiders did not want Trump, um, but the voters picked him, um, at least by, you know, with a plurality, um, over the, you know, pretty much the objections of the entire party. I mean, Trump had almost no endorsements, no newspaper endorsements um he didn't have a lot of party support throughout the primaries and um he was
2: able to pull it out just because the voters wanted him well that kind of speaks you know to the american attitude uh that we don't trust our government we we don't like you know what's going on and they continue to play by the same playbook or we're 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 tired of it we're, we're sick of it
4: well <laughs> This is the this is the um, mantra of both the Sanders and Trump campaigns, and they went after uh, people with that viewpoint, right? Both Sanders and Trump got about forty percent of their respective parties. Um, the the establishment vote was about fifty to sixty percent in both parties. So HRC got you know sixty percent almost. The other 20-some-odd candidates on the Republican side got about 60%. Trump got 40 uh, But both both candidates, Sanders and Trump, were after the people who, um, I mean, on one hand, we can call it conspiracy theory, but on the other hand, you could say they have a deep distrust of, of the institutions, the parties, and that's why they were picking outsider candidates. I mean, Sanders isn't really a Democrat. He's something... Fairly different, and Trump was really not a Republican. He really wasn't even a politician. So you have this rejection of of, of the mainstream party line with those two candidates for for similar reasons, um, but slightly different reasons. I mean, Trump, you know, if you boil all of his conspiracy rhetoric down to one thing, it's that you know political elites have sold out regular Americans in favor of foreign elites and in favor of foreign interests. For Sanders, it was political elites have sold out, regular Americans in favor of economic elites. So it's a similar message, uh, both but a slightly, are, both, di- both a slightly are different twist. Yeah, both, but what both are pointing to is, you know, should we be trusting, you know, our ruling elites or not? And, and that's,
2: that's what sort of fueled that support. Now, now, here's a curiosity question, because we've been talking an awful lot about, about politics and, and elites, 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 and one of my fantasies, this is just a fantasy, so y'all prepare yourself. Well, not that kind of fantasy, but, <laughs> but we'll talk about you gotta that. you going to get us that. in trouble with the FCC. Yeah. <laughs> Which is another agency we don't need, but anyways, yeah. do, do you ever see... An average guy against all odds becoming president, just an average, like a a plumber, a cable installer, an electrician, uh, you know, a a home builder, uh, a cop, you know, just an average guy beating all the odds and eventually becoming president without all this crap.
4: No, and they But we shouldn't expect, you know, a random person to become president. And I'm not necessarily sure we would always want that. I mean, do we want people who have some political experience before they become president? I mean, that's a, that, that's an important question. That's an open question. Um, do you, you know? Would you prefer a president who had been governor of a of a state prior to taking office? You know. Would you prefer somebody who had had some job in government before, you know, becoming president? Well, those are open questions. You know, you go to the other end though too, right? Do you want someone to be president who spent their entire life, you know, inside the deep state, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> or and, and you know, and their entire not- life? Yeah, their entire life just running campaigns or you know making too many promises and getting too much baggage. You know so there's two there's two ends, right? Um, but it's an open question because um, we've never really had a president who's had no political experience, right? Trump is really the first. So I mean, if you go back over the last hundred years or so and you compare the experiences that presidents have had to you know a measure of their performance, what you find is that people who have been governor of big states tend to perform better as president and it makes sense right because you know you've sort of already done the job even managing a big you know a big government stepping into the presidency you know is, is obviously different but it, it it requires a lot of the same skills you know so so with you know so i understand what you're saying we you know sh- should we have more regular people and and what i would say is I think experience of the presidency is probably a good thing. I think where we want more average people is definitely in Congress and most certainly in the Senate. Um, you know, because I look at, at some of these people who are you know 80 years old, they've been there for 30 or 40 years, and it's just like, do we really need you to be there? Can we get someone else? Yeah. Is there right. no one else
2: in your state? Maxine, I mean, John, yeah, your Maxine I mean, Waters, your John McCain's, yeah. your Nancy Pelosi's. John um,
4: McCKain's an American hero, but at the point where you're having brain surgery, um can't he step aside and let someone else do the job? Why does he have to hold on to it
2: yeah you've you've been there forever, you've done your job, you've made your mark, you know, please go away and this I, and I'm from Arizona you know I, I my my fantasy is just an average guy because like like you said and, and i I agree. To, for the most, you know, for the most part with what you said, you know, I want somebody that's experienced, but, you know, let's say he, you know, becomes mayor, county commissioner, uh, governor and, you know, house of representatives, senate, you know, and and he makes his way all the way up. How much dirty crap has he gotten involved in on the way up to where he's just another president who's owned by, you know, his party and his, you know, it, the government. Mm-hmm. I want an average Joe in there that, that hasn't been, you know, sullied and, and hasn't been dirtied and is able to make common-sense decisions.
3: Joel the De plumber.
2: Exactly, <laughs> exactly right, Al. You know, it's, it's tough because
4: there's another end to this, too, and that is, like you're, you're, what your argument is saying is that, well, you know, the environment, once you put a person into that political environment and they stay there too long, it's going to sully them, and that's probably true. On the other hand, there's, there's an ethical issue. I mean, some people are more ethical than others. So, you know, if you have a person who you think would be sullied in it if they stay there too long, well, do you really want them in the presidency? You know, if you only have them in politics for a little while. I mean, once you put them there, do they have the ethics to to avoid doing bad things while they're the most powerful person on the planet? Yeah, right? well, that so, was I mean that was Hillary's argument, wasn't it?
2: I've I mean, been it's there. Tough, it's I've, it's I've tough been to there. find ethical people. Yeah. You know, um, Trump doesn't have any experience. I've been there. You know, I was first lady of Arkansas, and I did this, and I did this, and oh, by the way, I ain't by no means hard. No. Um, yeah, it's tough to it's it's tough to find it's tough to find ethic, ethical
4: people. So, yeah. um, and 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 maybe voters should start looking towards that. Say we want someone who's smart and who has strong ethics and can show it, um, rather than someone who talks like me or looks like me or who's from a state that I like or you know says two or three things that that make me feel good. You know, maybe we should be peering under the hood a little bit and see what's this. What's this person made of?
3: Yeah, I I think the focus has to go back on uh, putting people in that um, are educated, aren't you know, experienced in some some aspect, and uh, you know, people in charge of agencies should be uh, represented of that agency. You know, they should understand it.
4: And, you know, another thing, too, is is I want to see more regular people going through the House. I want to see more turnover. Um, It's tough to get it. I also want to see more expertise so that the people who are making laws and passing laws know what they're passing and aren't getting, you know, essentially manipulated by party insiders or interest groups or lobbyists. I want people to, to have a pretty good understanding that when they pass a law, they'll know what the intended effects and what the unintended side effects are going to be.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's sort of was what I was aiming at. I think that uh, um, it, it's important that the people that are running certain sections of the government understand what they're running.
4: Um. And Taylor Swift was accused of being a Nazi this week too. <laughs>
3: <laughs> How's that for a left turn? <laughs> Holy cow. Dang. Or Taylor. Well, how did she get involved with being a Nazi? Well, oh. they say
4: that there are in her new song, they think that there are some lyrics that are supportive of white supremacy. And some people are, are saying this and, and her her team is vehemently denying this um, for obvious reasons. Um, but they think that she either might have Nazi sympathies or be some secretive member of the alt right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow, there we go. I knew it. <laughs>
4: those are the
2: those are the new terms. Racist kind of <laughs> wore out. So now it's you're a Nazi or you're a Russian. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Russian.
4: <laughs> now I I have used Russian dressing in the past. So yeah. hope they don't find out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. It just never ends. I guess there's a lot of stuff about um, the Russian um, Russian gate or whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs>
2: Ruski gate.
3: Ruski gate. How do you, Again, because <laughs> there's so many stories. Obviously, there's some issues because uh, they passed down some, uh, you know, they've got some people uh, charged now. So there's something going on, but... Um, you know how how do we determine again? Like I, I hear a lot of stories. Um, we do we really know what what went on or?
4: I I don't think so, and I think we need to be really really careful with this because I mean a grand jury indictment doesn't mean that much. It means they have some evidence. It doesn't mean anyone's convicted, and it certainly doesn't mean anyone actually committed the crime. So I would just urge everyone to be patient um, and wait. I, I mean, this Russian stuff has gotten really out of hand. Um, you know, a, a theory that I that I push is that conspiracy theories are for losers. And after the election, the Democrats were the big losers. I mean, they had they don't control any any of the major institutions right now. So what polls showed us just a few weeks after the election, even though Democrats were so strident going into you know, November, saying there will be no rigging. Such a thing does not exist. <laughs> um, after the election, you know, polls showed that 50% of Democrats believed that Putin had rigged the voting machines, even though there was no evidence of that. So they thought they had been cheated, and they raised $8 million. Um, Jill Stein, the Green yes. Party candidate, um, raised $8 million to do a recount, and they had the support of the HRC team. Um, that went nowhere. Uh, and and now it's sort of eaten itself because now Jill Stein is being accused of being a Russian agent too <laughs> even
2: though uh,
4: yes. she even though she tried to uncover you know supposed Russian meddling um the reports put out by the intelligence agencies following the the um the election I mean they said there was Russian interference and popularly, people said, oh, the Russians hacked the election. I mean, that doesn't really mean anything. There was no such thing as hacking an election. Um, if you say they hacked voting machines, well, then you have to show evidence of that, but there's none. And, you know, some of the reports put out, you know, by the government said, oh, well, um, RT, the channel RT was, uh, you know, a pawn of Putin, which is probably true.
2: Oh, it's uh, Russian said, Times. What do you expect? Yeah, yeah.
4: And then, and then they, but they went further, and they said, "Well, because they they uh, featured a debate between, or they featured uh, Gary Johnson and Jill Stein. This is sowing uh, um, bad feelings towards the party system, and and therefore this shows Russian interference." I mean I thought that was that was ridiculous because the mainstream channels have Gary Johnson and Jill Stein on and it, all the channels should be putting Gary Johnson and Jill Stein on. I mean that's having alternative candidates is a very important part of democracy. And to say that's part of some hack I mean just makes me think that there's just some sort of establishment, you know, bias in the Yeah,
2: you're you're not them. in our club.
4: Yeah. And but I haven't seen Any good evidence that says, oh, the Russians made the election happen a particular way. I mean, the story going around a few weeks ago was that Russian agents or people loosely linked to Russia in one way or another. I won't say the word agent, but linked, whatever that means. Purchased, they said $100,000 worth of Facebook ads, and this may have tilted the election. Well, $100,000 sounds like a lot to, you know, me. But in the course of an election where you're spending a billion, I mean, it's nothing. So, I mean, they really don't have, you know, I mean, as much as the Senate and House are talking about, you know, oh, my God, what's all this fake Russian interference on Facebook and Twitter? I mean, this is a drop in the bucket of the total amount of political information that was out there. So this is just that, you know, something was, you know, people were tricked by fake news, by Russia. I just don't see that. No. I mean, if more evidence comes to light, then fine, but I don't see it now. And the theories about Russia have just been all over the place. And I'll give you one good example. I mean, they were saying after the election, Democrats were saying, oh, my God, he was colluding with Russia all along. And Hillary Clinton herself put out an ad that said, he's the pawn of Putin. You know, and she did that the same day. She said that we shouldn't have a conspiracy theorist
2: in the White House.
4: <laughs> yeah. um,
2: uh, because of the birther movement. Yeah, and she's spreading her own conspiracy theories, you know. Um, well, do you think, I mean, I, I hate to interrupt, but let me add this in because I feel it's pertinent. Do you think that that was a diversion from her own involvement in Uranium One?
4: Well, not just that, but I think there was a diversion from, from anything people were saying about her. So, I mean, it, she tried to put on this facade of, I'm not the conspiracy theory candidate. And she came out and gave a speech where she says she denounced conspiracy theories. She denounced the alt-right. She denounced Trump and said he's not, because of conspiracy theories, is not fit to be in office.
0: Her campaign the same day put
4: on an ad that was a complete conspiracy theory implicating Trump and Putin in some nefarious plot. Um, so so, so she had her own reasons for doing it, and maybe to cover up Uranium One, and maybe to cover up other things, or at least change the conversation, you know, back to Trump. But um, it, 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 it was the conspiracy theory that they were working together all along, and then I think it was in February where they run out with this story and they say, oh, my God, we just have information that says that the son-in-law, Jared Kushner, um, tried to get a backdoor to Russia in February after they had won. And they said, this shows the Russian involvement. And then a few minutes later, they scuttled that story. And and you know why? Because it completely blows up the Russian narrative. Because they're saying they're working together all along, and then all of a sudden they say,
0: Oh, they weren't working
4: together. They were trying to get in touch in February, six, you know, five, six months after the election. Well, which is it? Were they working together along? Were they working together after the fact? You know, so the, there is no clear accusation or theory that they're pushing. They're just pushing, you know, this sort of crazed, you know, I listened to Rosie O'Donnell on Howard Stern the other day. Oh, oh, geez. So oh wow. Oh, Jesus! he was in <laughs> Trump was installed by Putin and if he was
2: drowning I'd let him die you know so. <laughs> you yeah. shame on both of you
3: Oh you got to listen to everything that's how you get <laughs> I in. know I'm just playing <laughs> actually but... uh, you know and speaking of that too you know with the Rand Paul attack in his while he was cutting his lawn that's what you know people were phoning into Howard Stern already saying that uh, they figured he was sleeping with some woman. And that's oh, for he, crying out that's loud. That's why he got attacked. And it's like there's they, they say it with no information. They just sort of say, that's how I feel. I feel he was sleeping with someone. That's why he got attacked.
2: Right. Even though the man that did the assault said that it was over property lines, yeah. which is a fairly common argument against any, you know, with with any neighborhood guy. You know, my neighbor, I could have an argument because I put a fence maybe on his property or something. You know, it's just foolishness it goes beyond conspiracy to just foolishness
4: yeah and i think a good thing for people to do is wait for for information to come out from a handful of sources before they jump to um you know don't find out what's going on in politics from the people who call into the stern show would be a good rule
3: (laughs) (laughs) oh no really i heard it (laughs) that's what people say my sources you know,
4: my high level sources. sources. Yeah.
3: And I hear Hitler's coming back at one hundred and twenty eight.
4: <laughs> oh, I heard that, too. And, you know, it's never gone away that he escaped to either Argentina or to the South Pole. And there's a lot of theories that the Nazis have been hiding out on the South Pole waiting to make their comeback.
3: Well, how about now, what... if the world's flat.
2: Touché. <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> Touché.
2: <laughs> touche. <laughs> touche. <laughs> But what makes that so impossible that Hitler may still be alive? Well, he'd be really, really old. I mean, that would be that
4: would be one thing.
2: But not with no. all the
4: super drugs and all the technology that they had.
2: Yeah, I guess if they could freeze you, I guess if you go to the South Pole, they could just freeze you and unfreeze you when you're ready. That's right. What, what about just his brain, like Disney? Hitler's brain is alive inside of a jar. <laughs> That's a serious I, question. You chuckle, but I heard it. Well, I'm a, I've read I'm a, it.
4: since you mentioned Disney, I have to tell you I'm a Disney fan because I'm a Florida resident. I get to go on the cheap, so I go all the time. And I've had it in my head for decades. And I just every time I go, I always think, you know, Ordinary they have the ponds and the beautiful. I always think that the brain is somewhere frozen underneath in the park.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's in the castle.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's still giving orders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt.
2: Now, it's um, a serious question b- b- before we, we let you go. It's a serious question because um, I- I'm excited about the release of the JFK papers. I'm skeptical because they drugged their feet for so long that I'm wondering if this is really the real papers that we're looking at. And if Trump did this, would they trust him with any knowledge of Area 51?
4: Hmm.
2: You know, hey, um, you released the JFK. We're not showing you area fifty one because I personally coming from Arizona, I'm a believer of area fifty one because I have not been there, but I have seen it or looked at it. Um, yeah, you chuckle wow. out
4: <laughs> the real que- here's here's the real question you're asking right now, that's an important one is 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 what does the deep state know and what are they not sharing? And I think it goes beyond just the just the things you mentioned. I, I you know you have these big entrenched interests in the government who have been there a very long time, and some of the things they may have been up to, maybe they're covering up, maybe they have nefarious activities, maybe they have activities that aren't necessarily nefarious, but they just don't want people to know about. How much information is getting up to Trump? That's an important question. How much information is getting up to Congress? Um, you know, an example I give is, you know, with the with the um, the wiretapping and the and the watching the phone calls and and the emails. How much power did we give to the government to do this snooping after nine eleven? And are they being honest about what they're doing? I mean, the revelations from from Snowden and WikiLeaks. And the fact that the, you know, the CIA couldn't be quite honest of, uh, about what they were collecting and what they weren't – or the NSA couldn't be honest about what they were collecting and weren't collecting. Um, I mean, that's what concerns me. And uh, maybe the president knows. Maybe he doesn't know. But
2: um, I would like to know. Well, hell, so would I. Um, I I know I said that was going to be my last question, Joe, but I mean, you are absolutely fascinating. (laughs) Please just indulge me one more question because you brought it up. that You started this Um, WikiLeaks Uh as as an average Joe and and a, a rabid listener of talk radio. I hear WikiLeaks. I mean, WikiLeaks is now a household word where once you you'd not know what it was. I personally Kevin want to believe that all the WikiLeaks are true that Julian Assange has got is sitting on this mountain of information that we need to know, but I'm starting to get skeptical how authentic do you really think the WikiLeaks are
4: i you know what <sighs> They're as authentic as the last document dump, right? And I think he's done a really good job verifying what he has, and I'm I'm not aware of anything that's been shown to be a fake that he's done that he's released. And I think him and his team are pretty careful, so I, I I have a lot of trust in it. I guess where I would be skeptical is, you know, there are only certain things that are going to get leaked at certain times by certain agents, right? Um, so it's not like we're getting leaks from both sides equally, you know, we're getting particular things at particular times. So I always wonder what the motivations are of the people who are snatching the stuff or leaking the stuff. Um, but, but I, I think Assange has done a good job of, of, of vetting the information he gets.
3: Yeah. Just, he's selective of what he puts out.
4: Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he gets a lot more than he, than he releases. Um, but I, I I mean, my feeling is I think like Assange and Stone, I think they're doing us a service because I think
2: sunshine is a good thing. But at, so. at the same time, I mean, it's extremely encouraging and it's exciting. You know, what what is Julian sitting on that we don't know yet? But at the same time, what scares me is. That means that our government, that we're trusting our lives, our families, we, I live here. I've got no choice but to put my trust in a government that can't keep a damn secret to save their life. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's, a, it's sort of a weird catch-22,
4: right? You want the government to keep secrets, but you want them to release everything that you want to know, right? Ah, Touché. So yeah. you're, sort of, you're sort of putting power in their hand to one keep secrets and decide what secrets to keep, and that's a lot of power. So I, I, what the reason I like the WikiLeaks is because I don't. While I want the government to be able to keep secrets, I'm skeptical at what their choice of secrets is, and they try to keep too many secrets. So I think you know WikiLeaks does us a service by. Um, sort of releasing some of those things
2: and letting us know what's going on. So having said that, let me put you on the spot. Snowden. <laughs> is Snowden, traitor or patriot?
4: Uh, gosh, I... I don't know if I'd use the word patriot, but I'd say what he did to do us a service, and I don't think he should be charged. I think that... Um, I mean, personally, I think it charges against him should be waived and they should be let back into the country. I don't think we should be keeping him in Russia. I think he should be back here. And um, while I don't want to encourage, you know, all government agents to to start releasing I- information indiscriminately, I think there are a lot of things that we should know. And I think Snowden sort of uh, put some sunshine on stuff that we should know. And I think he he did the right thing.
3: Mm. There you have it. you heard it here first okay (laughs) we're going to wrap up this hour and uh again joining us was uh, joseph usinski and he's our uh, new contributor for conspiracy and you'll be hearing from him more regularly thanks for joining us today
2: thank you so much joe thank you thanks guys to find out more about our show guests, or listen to a previous show, visit our website at www.somethingweirdmedia.com.
4: The mission has been completed.
2: The end. By George, he's got it. It is the end. (laughs) I'll
0: see you.
4: If you're lying to me, I'll be back.
0: This has been a production of Something Weird Media.